drinking Arizona Mixtape just around the corner Did a lot in California Can't wait to drop this on you yeah, they gon' have fun with that. Smash like song and then my song's gonna break. Good like evening and welcome back bed. to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One. It is Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. Hope that wherever you are, that everything is going well as we roll into another weekend in the middle of preseason testing here for Formula One, the first race of the year, just a couple of weeks away. It's uh, it's coming quickly, isn't it? <laughs> Lots to talk about this week. And once again, my, my name is Mark Daly. If I hadn't uh, introduced myself already, well, here we go. So I've got a lot going on here. I got multiple screens going on, multiple browsers open. I got the live stream going on on YouTube as well. I know it's a little bit uh, later than usual. We're coming up on about 9.50 p.m. here on the, the, the West Coast, and we'll see if anybody drops in. If you do, hopefully uh, you keep me company while I do this, and I hope that this is a nice, clean take. All right, lots to talk about. As I mentioned, uh, preseason testing uh, going on in Bahrain, and uh, lots of times to talk about, uh, lots of uh, interesting things happening there. Um, before I do that, I just want to just give a shout-out to a couple of folks. Uh, the first is uh, Magnus and the crew at the Race Weekend Magazine. Head on over to theraceweekend.com, and that is R-A-C-E-W-K-N-D.com. Enter in my promo code ScrutiaPod at checkout to receive a 10% uh, discount on a subscription for a an entire year and of course uh, race weekend is a beautiful gorgeous magazine and uh, appreciate their support also uh, another shout out to racing exclusives.com you can check them out uh, for unique and one-of-a-kind formula one merchandise that comes with a certificate of authenticity and Tease and the crew over there have lots of fantastic uh, things most of which i can't afford but hey that's uh, something else and that's uh, just life in general nowadays <laughs> paychecks are smaller than they used to be or it's certainly i don't know i'm laughing about that that's not funny at all uh anyways um by popular demand the um fantasy league is up and running i got that uh, created earlier today um i did tweet out the link to that um unfortunately it's not uh, running uh, right now i guess it's just uh, undergoing their final checks or whatever it might be so uh just to keep an eye open for the next uh you know it should be up and running uh, pretty quickly here and once it is you know by all means join in it'd be uh, great to get to uh, you know, a lot of folks uh, going for that. Got some prizes uh, lined up, got some uh, things in mind, and uh, you know, bragging rights are always a, a good thing uh, to have. So I know I got a couple of uh, people right away saying, uh, you know, is there a code or a, a league or anything like that? There is, if it's uh, not up and running. I, I will treat, uh, tweet out the, uh, uh, the league code uh, as well, but I did uh, post the link to that. So that should be fun, and I will try and be somewhat a little bit more committed and regular <laughs> to the Fantasy uh, League this year. I never seem to uh, do that with any regularity. I, I seem to be sort of fire and forget. I set up my team at the beginning of the season, kind of check in like once or twice along the way, where the people that uh, do well and take this serious are very good at, number one, setting up their team, and number two, making the changes as needed along the way, and uh, don't neglect them like I uh, I've typically uh, done in the past. Okay, had a nice uh, email here from Phil in Australia, and uh, I'd love to read off the the entire thing, but uh, you know, really quite uh, long and detailed and very thoughtful. Uh, you know, thank you so very much uh, for that uh, email, Phil. Just a couple of things I wanted to read out, which I you know really brought back a you know as a bit of a nostalgic you know you know feel to it uh, you know I, I get the, the the vibe that phil and i are of a similar age uh, group <laughs> a similar vintage i suppose uh and one of the things that phil said was uh, i miss being rugged up in blankets in front of the tv drinking cups of tea just trying to keep warm we had no heaters in those days as i enjoyed those races in the middle of the year our winter looking forward to the next schumacher battle with hill jacques villeneuve hacken and etc maybe it's the drivers i miss uh yeah you know that's kind of funny like i, I really have a lot of nostalgia to that uh, sort of time uh, period, the late uh, sort of mid 80s, or sorry, pardon me, mid 80s, mid 90s, early 2000s, uh, sort of late 90s, early 2000s. I was living in Europe, you know, I was uh, in my early 20s, and uh, a lot of my friends uh, over there, they were all into 
Formula One and motorsports in general as well. And uh, there, there was this one place that we used to go to, a little restaurant that was just around the corner from from uh, where I lived. And my, my friend of mine lived in a flat upstairs. And they had this uh, nice big, you know, well, it was a projector TV and a big, almost like a movie theater size screen that they would roll down. We'd go in there. The, 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 the restaurant would be closed on Saturday. So, pardon me, Sunday afternoons. So we would go in there and, uh, you know, the owner uh, would let us hang out it usually but just be the three of us sometimes a couple more and uh, he'd open up the kitchen and make you know lunch and everything we sit there watch uh, the, the the grand prix on the big screen and that uh, that that was great and a lot of fun but just to you know feel sentiment maybe it's the drivers i miss yeah i mean with some great uh, personalities i mean th- there's that one iconic moment of schumacher and hacken and you know, battling down the camel straight at spa that one year with the was, was a roberto zonta on the bar and <laughs> in the middle of the track and they both went right around him i mean that was uh, just uh you know just an iconic moment. I mean, look that uh, look that one up. I can't remember what year that would have been. It would have been, I guess, ninety nine, two thousand ish thereabouts, give or take a, a year or so. You know, the scarlet red Ferrari and that uh, the McLaren back in the day with that uh, you know, the 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 black and silver uh, West tobacco sponsorship even though you know tobacco sponsorship isn't a thing anymore well at least overtly <laughs> in formula one oh, that, that was uh those those mclaren cars of that era were just absolutely uh, gorgeous um and then another thing that phil said was uh, i still renew my magazine subscription to f1 racing which i've had from about 2003 it's nice to see some features in the mag that uh, don't get exposure online the pile i have uh, collected never stops growing as i haven't thrown any away i haven't collected so many of uh, the at the F1 racing magazines, I do have um, you know some some of the ones more that uh, or some that uh, I, I've liked more than others. Haven't been a real sort of uh, regular collector of anything like that for for quite some time. Um, but it just reminded me growing up, um, my dad was from the the, the UK, and uh, he was a bit. Well, I, I get my love for Formula One and motorsport just in general from him. And I just remember growing up in the in the basement in the crawl space in our house, these boxes of auto sports magazines, just to, you know, from the '60s and the '70s. And he was the same way as you, Phil. My dad just uh, never threw any of those away. He did eventually give them away, or he did something with them, much to my chagrin and disappointment. But I just remember going through those as a kid and just uh, being absolutely mem- mesmerized and going through them, box after box and magazine after magazine and looking up uh, all these old uh, you know for these bygone eras and it was just wonderful such a time warp and uh, yeah that uh, really brought back <laughs> a lot of memories and also just talking about a lot of memories uh, a bit of a sad anniversary to, to mark today the 22nd of uh, February uh, marks the uh, the birthday of uh, or the birth date of uh, Nikki Lauda who was born in Vienna Austria on the 22nd of uh, February 1949 and of course uh Nikki uh, passed away in uh, May of 2019, which, gosh, that seems like a long time ago now. Like um, that really went quickly because I mean we're coming up on on five years and it doesn't uh, actually seem like uh, it's it's been that long since uh, Nikki Lauda passed. So, anyways, just uh, thought to mention that and um, just going back to to Phil's um, uh, message there and just sort of the looking at, and and just reading about uh, some of the other things he put into the email. Just uh, you know talking about uh, the connection between uh, Mark. Weber and, and Oscar Piastri and how uh, Mark is uh, guiding and, and, you know, mentoring, I suppose, to a certain extent, uh, Oscar Piastri. But what some great Formula One drivers have come out of Australia over the years. Alan Jones, of course, Mark Weber, Weber Danny Ricardo, Oscar Piastri, those, you know, the more recent drivers, obviously. I mean, Ricardo and Oscar Piastri, both in Formula One as well. And w- what a difference in personality, too, when you kind of think about Mark Weber and, and Danny Ricardo. Danny, very lighthearted and very bubbly and a little bit goofy at times and mark weber i I thought what was the first name that or first word that would kind of come to to mind that would describe the difference between mark weber and uh and danny ricardo and the first the first thing that popped into my mind was was gritty and then i thought well that uh, that must be mark's uh, well it was mark's um twitter handle at one time it was uh, aussie grit so i just don't know if that was uh, the way i remembered it but certainly weber was uh, another fantastic uh, formula one uh, driver as well 
Okay, well, uh, let's get right into it. There's uh, definitely plenty of things to talk about. Winter testing, the first one, and I don't know where to start. So I've got, I've got a, well, I've got a couple of messages here. I've got a couple of tweets. So let, let's kind of go through them uh, one at a time. Well, let, let's do the first one. This is a post uh, from F1 Diplo on Twitter, and F1 Diplo is quite uh, active on, on X Twitter, whatever we're calling now. And I think this is a really good uh, tweet. And uh, it is as follows. This will be my only comment regarding testing. Sometimes you need to validate slash correlate and the good and the bad to ensure the models are giving you accurate information. Please keep that in mind. Reliability, in brackets laps done, is more important, end quote. So there you go. F1 Diplo, great uh, post on uh, on X earlier tonight. And I think that's that, that's the thing. I mean, we've seen some very, very impressive uh, lap times, but even more impressive is uh, the, the amount of laps some of these drivers have been putting in. So the, the next one is kind of like jumping from screen to screen here. The next one comes from the Sean bracket now engaged in King. So, uh, I guess there's some congratulations, uh, in order there, Sean at Texas Tech, Sean. So, uh, go red and was it red and black Raiders for Texas Tech? Anyways, uh, Sean's, uh, uh post is science paced, real or illusion. So that plays in nicely to this, uh, next, uh, message here from, uh, Martin in Florida. And let's uh, take a listen to that. Hey, Mark, it's Martin from Florida again. Um, let's do something different this week. With the start of the season and the cars on the grid, I'm excited just to see these guys out there. Um, really excited about seeing Max in that RB20 doing a fantastic job. But I want to go for some crazy predictions this year. Um, definitely, I believe that Max is definitely going to win the world championship this year will he be as strong as last year possibly that rb20 is super strong it's like a rocket ship but the other prediction i think is uh we're going to see carlos Sainz outdrive and outscore charles leclerc he's got something to prove this year and i believe that carlos is going to say i think you uh, let the wrong guy go and uh we're going to see a very aggressive driving style from him and he's really going to take it to the limit. The other guy to watch out for is Danny Ricardo. Uh, in that V-carb this year, I would expect to see him at least six times on the podium this year. Very definitely going to be driving strong and winning lots of trophies. So uh, what do you think? What are your crazy predictions for the year, my friend? Um, interested to hear it. Love the show. And uh, I'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. All right. Well, thanks again uh, for that, uh, Martin. And of course, uh, you can find uh, the link to leave a message for the studio. Just head on over to X and there's a pinned uh, tweet at the top of our profile. I will get a, a more permanent uh, and easier way to to leave a message uh, to, to play on the show once I get that uh, page up and running uh, on our website, hopefully very soon. Anyways, uh, yeah, some interesting takes there. And uh, I thought uh, that one went nicely with the with the tweet from, from, from Sean just now. And maybe... You know, maybe Carlos will be the guy to beat out of the two Ferrari drivers. He certainly has nothing to lose, right? He's um, basically auditioning for next year, and he's still got plenty of uh, plenty to prove in Formula One. And uh, you know, it's 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 funny, right? Because Charles Leclerc was the one that uh, kind of got all the big uh, the big headlines when he signed the, the the contract there and became like Ferrari's number one driver. Although Matteo Bonotto never really committed to to that publicly did he who was his number one driver either Carlos Sainz or uh, Charles Leclerc um, but that's that that's interesting it uh, I, I think that there's more pressure on Charles than that than Carlos Carlos certainly I think is uh, I wouldn't say driving completely stress-free but uh, certainly I think uh, the lack of pressure knowing that he's not going to be back next year you know why not just uh, throw it all out there and 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 see what happens and at uh, the, the the very least i mean you can uh, leave the team and go on to whatever comes next for carlos science with the, with a clear conscience knowing that uh, you gave it to your all some of the other comments there from from martin boy um danny ricardo bringing home a bunch of trophies uh, this year well i do, i don't know if i'd be willing to go that far i'd love to see it i mean uh, we we haven't seen danny up on the podium for uh, for quite some time 
uh, you know, I, I mean, we, we saw a couple of uh, podiums when he was uh, towards the end of the time with uh, Renault at the, uh, during the pandemic there before he went over to uh, McLaren. So, I mean, basically we, there's been a distinct lack of shoeys. Uh, shoey celebrations over the past uh, number of years. Of course, I say that in jest, but, you know, and in good uh, good humor. But um, just from Danny Ricardo in general, I mean, here's a, a driver, very, very talented that, you know, moved uh, away from Red Bull. And I, I often wondered at the time when he said or made that announcement back in the summer of uh, 2018 that uh, I, I couldn't help but feel like this, get this sinking feeling that, that uh, what when I saw that and I, I remember seeing the video at the time on social media and Danny saying that, you know, he was going to be leaving at the end of the year and going on to Renault and, and Renault at that time. And, you know, what was obviously uh, Alpine now, I thought it was a very risky move, but you could maybe kind of see it because I thought it was very interesting. Like if you go back and watch that uh, season of uh, drive to survive, I don't know if that was season one or two or thereabouts, but it was interesting because um, as much as you get like the, theatrical and the dramatic uh, production and the cherry-picked uh, quotes and video clips that may or may not always be in sequential order and chronological and things like that. There, there was interesting because there, there, there was uh, quite a bit because that was, you know, in, in those days you didn't have uh, all the Ferrari drivers or Mercedes drivers getting involved, but uh, you did have uh, quite a lot of uh, Danny Ricardo and, and um, he was a fellow that um, you know featured quite prominently in those uh, ones and you know I, I think you could really make the argument that uh, drive to survive and to ex- the the extent vice versa Danny Ricardo were really you know instrumental in helping I, I guess promote both of uh, each other's uh, popularity or develop each other's uh, popularity because uh, both of them really did kind of surge in prominence. Of course, you had the pandemic as well when a lot of people were watching. Anyways, it was always going to be a risky proposition to move away from Red Bull. And Red Bull at that time were... I wouldn't even say they were at the beginning of the upswing. I mean, it started shortly thereafter and, uh, you know, should have Danny Ricardo stuck around for a couple of more years till they have the car they have now, or, or at least they did even going back to, to 2021, probably. Right. But the, the insight that we got from drive to survive even back then was that, you know, you could tell, or at least the vibe that I got from it was that Ricardo, I think, you know, saw that it was pretty obvious that this was a team that was going to be built around Max Verstappen and, uh, you know, maybe not all the efforts would go into him, but definitely the focus and the design of the car and everything, everything would be sort of focused uh, towards or, or built around Max and, and, and why not? I mean, I think, you know, there, there's no arguing or very minimal arguments uh, out there to say that, uh, you know, Max is one of the best drivers of this uh, generation. I mean, is uh, you know, look at the record, right? I mean, it speaks for itself over the last uh, number of years. And I think that uh, Ricardo probably felt at that uh, time that, uh, you know, based on what he'd done in Formula One up till till that point, uh, made him number one material with another team. And of course, it didn't really work out that way. The, the time at Renault didn't really amount to anything and that's not totally on Danny Ricardo. I mean you could see why he would go to that team because uh, you know have uh, have the opportunity to have like a program kind of like built around him and uh, you know take that gamble that uh, that they would get their act together and they never really have which is you know a little bit disturbing considering how much money and resources that uh, that Renault slash Alpine have to put into a Formula 1 program and then the the, the McLaren uh, couple of years there just never went uh, you know never went the way that it should uh, either so that was uh, disappointing but you know having said that i mean that 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 little bit of time that he spent out of formula one after losing his seat to oscar uh, piastri at the at the end of 2022 it's it was interesting right because uh, he goes back to um to, to, to red bull as a um as a as a reserve driver to do like the, the sim testing whatever it was all those sorts of things and then uh, you know fairly quickly gets uh, propelled back into a race seat because uh and we'll talk about this whole uh, red bull toro rosso Al- uh, alpha towery situation a little bit uh, later on because uh, you know that's uh, flared up again but you know it didn't work out with uh, nick defries i mean you know it's uh, he had that uh, great out uh, filling in for Alex Albon the year before at Monza. He gets uh, gets into the points. 
and it just uh, looked like a, a smart move to bring him into uh, in, into Alpha Tauri last year. I mean, Nick was uh, a little bit older compared to a lot of other rookie drivers because I think last year, beginning of last season, what was he, 27, 28, something like that. So much older than a lot of the uh, you know the, the the rookie Formula One drivers, but. He certainly had a lot of experience uh, to go with that and, you know, went sideways pretty quickly. So Ricardo came back in and he's shown something, you know, I'm kind of, this is a long winded answer, I realize, but he did show something, even though uh, he missed some time with the broken hand that uh, he sustained at, uh, at Zanfort. So I think it's there. It's just, uh, you know, he's had the chance to to condition. He's had a chance to get some meaningful miles. You know, I would think the hand would uh, would have, um, you know, healed properly and completely by now. And he's going to have the, the opportunity to start with a, a car that he's uh, familiar with, with a program he's familiar with. And it'll be uh, interesting to see what uh, Danny Ricardo does. I mean... I don't really know what else I would say for like like really unorthodox uh, takes or strange takes or, or, or daring takes compared to, to to what you said, Martin. I mean, I think those are a couple of uh, very good ones, and uh, you know, I I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that. I, I think that there is a good uh, chance that uh, that Carlos Sainz could show up uh, Charles Leclerc to one degree or another this year and and, and outperform and outshine him. Uh, Ricardo, you know, getting on the podiums that many times, I, I you know, half a dozen times, I, I think that there is a, a possibility under the right circumstances, maybe. I think it really depends on on how good this uh, V-carb is, but uh, some some good takes. I'm going to have to go back and think about that because the, the ones that are immediately popping to mind are just a, a, a little bit uh, outlandish or just, you know, pretty weak and, uh, <laughs> you know, nothing that's uh, too much of a, a, a dairy take uh, as it is. Right, well, I just uh, looked uh, took a look at the time uh i'm well behind schedule just uh looking at my, my outline here just uh and i haven't even addressed the first uh, couple of things i you know just starting to, to get into winter uh, winter testing and only got to the message and to the, the the tweet from f1 diplo so let's just park it here momentarily uh gonna have a a quick message from our sponsors and we'll be back in just a moment passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back. So, yes, at the time of recording of this podcast on Thursday night, we have a couple of uh, testing session in Bahrain under our belt. So, uh, interesting. Yesterday on Wednesday, uh, we had uh, you know Max Verstappen out there in the Red Bull, the RB twenty. Uh, Max setting uh, you know both the fastest time and also the most number of laps run or among the the the, the top runners uh max uh, put in 142 laps his fastest time was a 131.344 uh that's almost uh, well, that's basically double the amount of laps that lando norris and the mclaren put in uh lando's best time was a 132.484 in the mclaren uh charles leclerc uh, put in 69 laps so again roughly the the amount of miles that uh, that max did on wednesday uh science's best time was a 132.584 and then uh, danny ricardo in the v carb his best time was a 132.599 only 51 laps uh driven by danny ricardo on wednesday uh, the other uh five top 10 fastest times on uh on wednesday were pierre gasly in the alpine uh fastest time of 132.805 lance stroll in the aston martin uh 133.007 so you got the james bond time right there 
Charles Leclerc in the other Ferrari. His fastest time was 133.247. Fernando Alonso, Oscar Piastri, and Joel Guan Yu in the Sauber, rounding out uh, the top 10 quickest times on uh, on on Wednesday. Pardon me. Uh, Joe's uh, fastest time was a 133.871, so about two and a half seconds uh, behind uh, Max Verstappen. The only other driver to put in more than 100 laps in on Wednesday was uh, George Russell. Uh, George uh, put in 121 laps in the Mercedes in the W15 and was about uh, you know two and three quarter seconds off the pace compared to to Max Verstappen. And uh, our good friend uh, Tim Haraney uh, is in uh, Bahrain. He's been there for the past uh, number of days and was getting some uh, you know some interesting messages uh, from him over the past uh, couple of days. And I must admit it was a little bit ominous uh, when uh, I saw Tim's uh, message yesterday regarding the first time he saw the uh, the RB20 take the track and uh, I was just like holy this thing is fast and it looks great you know it's so balanced and you know just the grip that it has uh, going through the corners is uh, just unreal so I haven't heard uh, anything praised quite so high for any of the uh, the other cars or the any other teams but if you look at uh, the, the times that were set earlier today on Thursday uh, we had Carlos Sainz topping the the timesheets with a 129.921 and uh, that uh, was 84 laps from Carlos uh, Sergio Perez in the Red Bull uh, his fastest time was a 130.679 Lewis Hamilton third fastest on Thursday with 131.066 so about a 1.15 seconds off uh, Carlos Sainz's best time uh, Lando Norris Danny Ricardo and then Charles Leclerc so Charles compared to his teammate was about 1.8 seconds uh, slower, uh, running not even the same amount of laps. Uh, Charles uh, drove, uh, put in 54 laps uh, compared to uh, Carlos's 84. Sergio put in quite the shift, 129 laps. Lewis put in uh, over 100 laps as well. Uh, so very interesting to, to see uh, some of those times over the uh, the, the last uh, couple of uh, days there. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, you, you take a look at uh, Ricardo compared to uh, Yuki Sonoda. Yuki uh, only put in 40 laps and he was a uh, eight. Eight, eight seconds off of uh, the time that uh, was set uh, by Carlos Sainz. So there, there's definitely some experimenting going along uh, there. I mean, the two Haas cars, they were like six and a half and seven and a half seconds uh, slower than the top times. Look at Gasly on Thursday as well. His uh, his fastest time was a three point or 3.88 seconds off of, um, of uh, Sainz's time as well. But uh, I did uh, go back and take a look at some of the, uh, the, the times from uh, last year's uh, Grand Prix. So just going back to, to qualifying. So Max is. I'm just looking at Max Verstappen's uh, fastest uh, times in all three of the the qualifying sessions uh, because Max had the uh, had pole position and Sergio Perez uh, was uh, was second. So it was a Red Bull uh, all uh, front row lockout last year. So Max's uh, fastest time in Q1 was 131.295. Uh, Q2 lap was 130.503, and Q3 time was a 129.708. So Carlos, you know, pretty close to you know within two tenths of a second uh, more or less of uh, Max's uh, pole uh, setting time it's Q3 time for the Bahrain Grand Prix last year I mean compared to uh, Sergio's times of 131.479 in Q1 130.746 in Q2 and in Q3 was 129.846 so we take a look at that uh, Sergio Perez's uh, uh, P2 uh, time for qualifying last year is uh, under a, a tenth of a second uh, compared to uh, Carlos uh, fastest time on Thursday. So it'll be very interesting to watch uh, what the times are like coming out over the next, uh, you know, the, the last uh, couple of days of, or the last day of testing here. You know, again, there was um, some very, very, you know, you know, substantial shifts uh, put in. Logan Sargent had 117 laps run on Thursday. Lance Stroll put 96 in uh, the uh, into the Williams. Oh, pardon me. Uh, yeah, Logan Sargent 117 laps in the in the, in the Williams. Uh, Lewis, like I said, 123 laps. Lance Stroll 96 in the Aston Martin. Valtteri Bottas 97 into the Sauber. So, you know, when you take a look at it, uh, you compare all the, the the amount of laps that uh, the drivers will run over the course of these uh, three days. 
days. It's really at, at the very most a couple hundred laps, and uh, before we get to the first, uh, you know, to the first race, just in just over two weeks from now, it uh, not really a lot of time, is it? And I mean, there there really is no uh, comparison for getting behind the wheel of the car and getting out onto the track and uh, putting some real miles on the car compared to the simulator and any of the modeling uh, that the, the the engineers do back in the the, the, the factory. So. Um, it will be not too long before we see these cars in action, and uh, it'll be it'll be fun to watch and compare and see how things turn out to the last you know the last day of testing here to when we come back for the Grand Prix in uh, two weeks from now to see how they all shake out and line up uh, against one another, not just uh, during the practice sessions, but specifically during qualifying and during the race. And as uh, as I've been uh, trying to caution over the last uh, couple of weeks, we really will need a couple of races under our belts uh, to really understand where everybody uh where everybody is and how everybody is lining up uh, compared to uh, to one another so i just wanted to talk now like some of the the, the quotes that have come out of uh, testing over the past uh, couple of days uh dr helmet marco uh, red bull's motorsport advisor said that uh, they uh, that the, that the red bull team enjoyed what he called a very impressive first full day of testing in uh, in bahrain um uh, marco had to say quote very very impressive we ran 142 laps without any problems more or less and the concept is working so that was the first main thing the car's reacting we are developing yeah it looks good uh when um he was asked about uh, verstappen's opinion of the rb20 um <clears throat> marco said uh, quote positive whatever changes we did and whatever we tried the car was reacting and more or less it was fine-tuning what happened now we were smiling a lot so there you go they're at least uh, very buoyant, or Helmut Marco is. Uh, and uh, I've got some interesting comments here about Sergio Perez, who was a little bit more tempered and cautious on his his uh, reaction and take uh, on uh, on his uh, first uh, outings in the RB20. Um, Andrea Stella, the team principal of uh, McLaren, said that his uh, first sight of seeing the new RB20 out on the track uh, made him go, wow. <laughs> so very similar to the, the, the messages I was getting from Tim Moraney over the past uh, couple of days. Uh, Stella had to say a, a little bit more detail. Quote, I have to say when I saw the car, I was like, wow, they certainly were brave in changing some of, the, some of the shapes that made the car so successful last year. I think they could enjoy such an advantage last year that gave them the confidence from a timeline point of view to take some risks because you can take these risks early on to see whether it works. What I would say, though, is that while there is innovation that we can see macroscopically, like I've said already, in these regulations, a lot is in the millimeters and a lot of happens in the work we don't see between the underneath of the car and the ground, end quote. So very interesting uh, opinion and take on the RB20 from uh, McLaren team principal, Andrea Stella, who, like the rest of us, has seen it for, for the first time. So Sergio Perez uh, was uh, interviewed on Sky Sports after uh, putting in some of the uh, his uh, laps in testing. And uh, like I say, he was not really as, as buoyant and he was a little bit more cautious in his comments. Uh, anyways, uh, Sergio had the, the following music quote i believe that things are a lot closer than we are thinking definitely i don't think that uh, we've had a much of a look at our rivals in that regard at the moment we're basically focused on our job we've been so busy with our program i think tomorrow there will be a bit more of an idea but i think we'll find out next sunday after the bahrain grand prix end quote so yeah absolutely i mean that that is the the, the real question i mean they're going to be the benchmark i mean they've been the team that everybody's been chasing for the past uh, couple of years and they will be the team that everybody will be chasing until somebody is able to to knock them off their pedestal and uh, and take that spot or maybe that'll be a, a rotating thing maybe it'll be ferrari and mclaren and, and and mercedes and red bull maybe all of them will be fighting for for races and championships and and podiums and things like that but uh you know that's uh, that's uh, another conversation uh, that uh, we'll get uh, you know hopefully we'll get to have uh, sooner rather than later uh, I, th- I think it would be a very I don't know if it would be a bad thing, but certainly it would not be good for the interest if uh, Red Bull comes out and continues uh, to dominate. But, uh, you know, when you're the best, I mean, it's it really is the jobs of the the other teams to catch up and uh, do their very best to to knock you off that uh, that pedestal, off that podium and uh, and take uh, what they want from from you, which is uh, to be the best team in Formula One. OK, let's talk now about uh, some of the other teams. Um, Charles Leclerc feels that uh, for 
Ferraris banished what he called the worries that spoiled this uh, testing in Bahrain this time last year. The uh, the Ferrari SF24s look pretty good uh, since uh, the the start of testing earlier this week. And uh, you know what, what is interesting is the the, the feedback that uh, we've been hearing, and the comments we've been hearing from uh, Charles Leclerc and uh, Carlos Sainz over the past couple of days is that the car is basically behaving uh, on the track as it did in the simulator. So that's uh, very promising. I mean, the, the, these simulators and the you know and the, the models that they generate before the car even uh, takes the track is is absolutely fascinating. That they can they can model it so accurately that uh, you know the driver will have a pretty good indication what that car is going to be like when they get out onto the track. I mean, obviously in some cases it might be uh, more you know realistic and reflective than than, than other times, but it certainly seems uh, in the comments that we've heard from Charles and uh, Carlos over the p- past couple of days is that their simulator models were were basically spot on and the car is doing exactly what they expected it uh, to do. Uh, anyway, says so Charles had to say, quote, we're making good progress. Once again, as the car is doing what it needs to do, which wasn't the case at the start of last year. I remember after the first few days, I was much more worried because it was a very, very complicated car to drive. This year it's easier. So it's starting from a better base, but there's still a lot of work to do for the time being. Everything's going according to plan in the sense that we haven't had any unpleasant surprises in terms of the car's behavior. Uh, the car is behaving as it did in the simulator, so that's a pretty good sign. After that, in terms of competitiveness, it's too early to say. In itself, the fact that it behaves exactly as it did in the simulator is good news. It allows us to be able to develop the car in the virtual world at Maranello, and that's good, end quote. So, a, a ray of hope or a tease uh, for the Tifosi, uh, based on those words from uh, Charles Leclerc, but he does make a, a very, very good point, is that uh, that uh, since that the, the, the car in reality is matching up to what uh, you know what is doing in the simulator probably does help make the job uh, I would I wouldn't say easier but maybe a little bit more straightforward um, when it comes to you know the, the 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 new or various iterations and developments we'll see on the car over the course of the this year and um, and of course just like Charles uh, says is that uh, it's it's behaving well it's what they think it is but uh how competitive and quick this car is compared to everyone else it's uh you know we're gonna have to sit back and wait till uh, we get to that that first uh, next uh, or first race uh, next week pardon me uh lewis hamilton now talking about the the new double uh, w15 at mercedes says he's seen what he calls clear improvement after uh, getting behind the wheel for the first time uh, this week in uh, bahrain um you know he did sort of uh you know throw a caveat on that uh, statement and saying that there's still progress uh, to be made. So very similar statements and sentiments being expressed by, both by uh, Ferrari Charles Leclerc and Mercedes uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton that you know, there's definite improvements in both of their cars and both of their teams, but there's still a lot of uh, room for improvement. And, and especially from Lewis, that, that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, for uh, a driver who won multiple world championships uh, with uh, Mercedes and the fact that uh, they've gone off the boil a little bit in the last couple of years uh, as a uh, Red Bull has, uh, you know, resurged and become dominant in the sport. It's uh, left a bit of a, well, more than a bit of a vacuum as who could be a potential challenger. And we, I think a lot of people expected that we would see in 2022 a reboot of the fight uh, between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen that came to that uh, rather, you know, memorable probably for the wrong reasons um, <laughs> finale in Abu Dhabi in 2021 but uh, it hasn't uh, hasn't materialized and th- there has been a vacuum since then that there has been no clear challenger or uh, clear rival to realistic rival let's put it that way to Red Bull um, since the at the end of 2021 I mean they really have been that much better and that much faster than everyone else and nobody's been able to, to close that gap but having said that I mean uh, Lewis does feel like there is um, is improvement there uh, after uh, putting uh, 123 laps into the new car on uh, you know during uh, the uh, practice pardon me uh, during testing earlier today Lewis had the following to say quotes uh, it was a productive day out there we gather a lot of learnings about the W15 both in our long running and single lap work we've clearly made an improvement with this year's car and it's much nicer to drive a big thank you back to everyone at Brackley and Bricksworth for the efforts they've put into the deliver uh, that over the past year I'm really 
really grateful for their hard work. So again, Lewis Hamilton, uh, very much on brand there, giving the, uh, you know, giving credit to all the uh, people that did all the, the hard work to z- uh, design and build that car. And uh, again, it's going to be fascinating to see how that uh, Mercedes lines up and uh, compares to, to everyone else. Um, George Russell, uh, Lewis's uh, Mercedes uh, teammate, um, was had similar things to say about uh, the W15. He said it feels nicer to drive. And uh, speaking at a, a press conference, Conference, uh, some media time after practice on Thursday, Charles, or sorry, pardon me, Charles, uh, George Russell said, overall, the, the W15 does feel nicer to drive than last year's car. We know that it's not about the feeling, but the speed, nevertheless, today was about learning and not about chasing performance. We're focused on ourselves at this test and it will only be next week where we see where we stack up against the others, end quote. So there you go. Another uh, similar sentiment uh, from George Russell as uh, his teammate, Lewis Hamilton, definite improvement improvements uh, some work to, to do and uh you know get back to me in a week uh, or so to see how we uh, we're lining up against uh, everyone else alex albon uh, again very similar sentiments uh, when talking about uh, his williams he said the the team has uh, fixed uh, the issues that uh, that uh, maybe uh, plagued the team at times uh, last year in 2023 but is now exposed brand new issues that uh, were unexpected so this is uh he's talking about last year's car which was the, the FW45, which Albon got into the points eight times uh, last year and uh, pulled the team off the bottom, the, the basement floor of the Constructors' uh, Championship over the past uh, couple of years and put them all the way up in seventh, which is, you know, in all, in all fairness, uh, a very good and um, definite improvement uh, for Williams. Uh, and I think uh, what did uh, Alex score last year? Something in the neighborhood of 23 points. You know, not a big haul by, uh, you know, a lot of other teams' uh, standards, but uh, a, a big step in the right direction uh, for, for, for Williams. Um, anyways, uh, Albon, uh, speaking after uh, testing uh, earlier uh, today, said, uh, quote, we haven't done so many laps, but generally the feeling is good. We had a big task last year trying to focus on this year's car trying to get rid of some of the issues that we've been having consistently throughout the last year we seem to have a couple of corners at this track actually that really highlight the problems it's nice to know that we have fixed a lot of the problem areas from last year but there are some new things that we have to iron out so part of the learning curve but it's going well so far there you go so uh we'll we'll see how they line up eventually whether or not they can build on the advances that uh, they made last year in 2023 or if it's going to drop them back a little bit you got to love this time of year there's uh, plenty of things to talk about and speculate about and then it all gets proven or disproven fairly quickly after a race of or two and once the serious or the season gets uh, really really uh serious anyways i seem to have gotten this thing more or less uh, back Back on track now after uh, 40 minutes. Going to take another quick break and come back. And again, uh, it's interesting because Red Bull always seems to take up quite a lot of real estate on this show. And that's exactly where we're going to go right after the break. So please don't go away. Be back in just a moment. All right, welcome back to the show, and just going to talk uh, a little bit again about uh, the ongoing investigation into uh, allegations of uh, inappropriate um, behavior of Christian uh, Horner, the team principal at Red Bull. Uh, he was back on the job. I mean, he's been uh, on the job uh, ever since they launched this uh, this probe and this investigation into the allegations a couple of uh, weeks ago. Um, Christian Horner said uh, at the, the the launch of the RB20 last week that. Uh, that the whole case, in his opinion, was a, a distraction. Um, but, you know, you've got to uh, take it seriously, and they're doing the right thing uh, by doing so. Um, anyways, uh, we're, we're, he was back, uh, you know, talking about uh, things that, uh, you know, the, the state of uh, you know, testing didn't want to address uh, the allegations against him. That just uh, basically said there was a, uh, you know, a no comment and uh, just kind of moved on uh, from there. Uh, he um, went on to say... As you're well aware, there's a process going on there of which I form a part of. And as I form a part of that process, I'm afraid I cannot comment 
on it. So of course, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it, you know, they, they have to do the, 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 the process. And I certainly hope that whatever comes out of it, that it's all sorted out and taken care of and, uh, that, uh, they take this uh, seriously, which I believe that they are by, you know, appointing an independent uh, investigator to look into the allegations. And I hope that, uh, if the, you know, the inappropriate behavior that or actions as, uh, have been alleged, uh, if they were done, I hope that, uh, you know, he's, pays for it appropriately and likewise if it's disproven and again like it, i i don't see the reason why somebody would make uh, allegations like that because it would just you know if it was untrue that uh, th there just seems like there'd be so many things to to lose uh from, from that point of view and to, to really cast yourself uh, in a negative light having said that so uh, we'll, we'll see how they uh you know this investigation plays out and hopefully they're very transparent about the the, the findings um at the end um helmet marco did uh you know defend the the amount of time and what uh, red bull is doing to try and uh, get to the bottom of these allegations and just uh, briefly address the um the investigation and yet the following to say quotes we have noted that red bull oh pardon me that's uh, that's the wrong one uh that is the statement from um uh, from formula one um anyway so Christine Horner uh, <laughs> completely gotten off track here. Uh, Helmut Marco uh, was talking to Red Bull's uh, service TV channel about uh, the, the investigation into Christian Horner. He said, quote, as you know, this is an internal investigation. The sooner result is available, the better. Of course, rumors and other stories are bound to sprout due to the long duration, but I think Red Bull has reacted very well in this matter. The long duration of this investigation is not their fault. They are endeavoring to have a fair investigation and then react accordingly. Um, I think that the uh, the team is gearing up for the season ahead and we're in very good shape. We're focused on going racing, looking forward to being in Bahrain next week and, week and seeing the RB20 run. And the one thing that focuses everybody's attention is the car. We're very united and together in that focused end quote. There's uh, some interesting uh, comments here made by uh, uh, Total Wolf, the team principal at uh, Mercedes, um, just uh, basically uh, talking about uh, the, the whole Christian Horner situation situation and the uh, in investigation into the allegations made against him. Uh, Total Well Wolf was uh, present at a press conference on Bahrain on Wednesday, and he actually did, uh, you know, decide to respond about the, uh, you know, to a question that was posed about the impact of the investigation into the allegations made against uh, Christian Horner. And uh, Toto had the following to say, quote, I think it's clear F1 and what the teams do, we stand for inclusion equality, fairness, diversity. And it's not only talking about it, but living it day in, day out. And I think this is the standard that we're setting ourselves. We are a global sport, one of the most important sports platforms in the world, and we're role models. But having said that, there's a lot of speculation that's been happening over the last uh, weeks, speculation that we have heard of, and lots of things that are going on. Uh, I think uh, what's important at that stage for the process of rigor is I think that uh, what Red Bull has started is uh, as an independent investigation. If this is done in the right way with the transparency and with that rigor, I think that's something we need to look at, what the outcomes are and what it means for F1 and what we can learn from that. Because we want to talk about racing cars, we want to talk about the sport rather than these kinds of very, very critical critical topics that are more than just the, the team's issue. It's a phenomenon or it's an issue for all of F1 and in general, for every individual that works out there, end quote. So I think that uh, that uh, Total makes a couple of uh, good points, and uh, I, I think one of the key uh, point, you know, key sentences or key takeaways in that uh, that quote from him is uh, when he says, "We are global sports, one of the most important sports platforms in the world, and we're role models." And I think that uh, not, I mean, that goes for for each and every one of us uh, each and every day. But I mean, especially for for people in um, in, in such a high visibility and high profile sports and job like it is because I mean they live I mean and it's not easy I understand that I mean these uh, you know people who work in Formula One work you know insanely long hours and and make tremendous amounts of uh, you know personal sacrifices to do their jobs because I'm pretty sure that uh, if you're on the design team at Red Bull or Mercedes
Mercedes or Ferrari or you're making the parts or whatever it is you do that uh, it, it's very much a lifestyle as much as uh, it is a job. But, um, you know, with that comes the, the responsibility, which we all have to to treat each other with respect and, and, and fairness and kindness and all those uh, things and not, uh, you know, taking advantage of, uh, of other people and, and, and treating them poorly. Um, but yeah, I mean, they are role models. They're living the lifestyle that, uh, that I'm sure every single one of us uh, w- would like to, to, to have, uh, you know, the, you know, like I say, it's not, not an easy job for them to, to do, but, uh, certainly, uh, I think that Toto's uh, hit on a couple of uh, very good, uh, points there. Now, I, d- I just wanted to talk about this, um, this whole dual team ownership, uh, thing that's, uh, come up, uh, again. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, uh, it's, there's been some comments made by, by, by Zach Brown um, when he was talking to motorsport.com about the Red Bull V-Carb um, you know, situation where they're basically one, two teams owned by the, uh, the same owners. So when he was interviewed by uh, Jonathan Noble of motorsport.com, Zach Brown, CEO of McLaren, had the following to say, quote, I don't think they are cheating, uh, but the rules aren't fit for the purpose. There's not another major sport that I know of that you can own two teams that can uh, compete. It's not allowed in any other sport because of uh, political influence and player trading. It's for all the reasons that you can think of. Um, so, you know, fair enough, right? Um, so he goes on to say, quote, imagine it's Max against Oscar. Oscar qualifies 10th, a Max on pole. The best strategy is to start a mediums, but, uh, the RBs, uh, qualify 9th and 11th. So let's put them on soft and compromise, uh, the others. Um, you know, he's gone through a whole bunch of, uh, different, uh, scenarios talking about what, uh, he thinks that, uh, uh, you know, could be unfair advantages. Uh, he goes on to say a lot of, uh, IP is in the head. So when you take a senior employee, and put them in another team and have no garden leave. That's IP transfer because IP is in your head. There's nothing, uh, and that's intellectual property, uh, of course. And then uh, he goes on to say, and there's nothing stopping them from going back and forth. Uh, He said, I had to wait a year to get David Sanchez. I had to wait a year to get Rob Marshall. So, I mean, he's obviously uh, thinks that there's some, you know, unfair advantages that that, that Red Bull and uh, V-Carb could have just uh, by having you know being a little bit uh, creative uh, with the way of transferring people back and forth uh you know between the two teams and avoid the, the things like the gardening leave and having to sit out for a year or whatever it might be when they leave one team because i mean technically they're getting paid by the same the same entity right so christian horner uh, sort of he defended uh, the the fact that uh, that red bull uh, has the two teams in uh, in formula one the red bull team proper and uh the Visa Cash App Red Bull team or whatever it is, you know, the V Carb is a lot easier to say. Uh, Horner had to say uh, the, the following quote: "I underst- don't understand the fuss about it. I don't understand this. Understand the noise that's being created about it. And I think Red Bull should actually be applauded for the support and the commitment and the jobs they've provided through the good times and particularly the bad times. So for me, it's really a non-issue." Um, Red Bull remained resolute and they continued to support both teams, uh, both teams through the difficult period. The regulations evolved and obviously the Forenza based team had to become their own manufacturer. And so further investment was made in the infrastructure and Fianza. We then had COVID where Red Bull once again stepped up and struck, uh, stuck by both teams in its entirety. In fact, Red Bull were responsible uh, for getting F1 going again after COVID with two races in Austria that were introduced to get the sport going again following the pandemic. Uh, so the commitment that Red Bull has made to F1, the commitment that Red Bull has made to these uh, two teams is outstanding and should be applauded. We should be grateful for it rather than uh, be derided and to try to compromise. The two teams are totally separate. One is based in Italy, one is based in the UK. The one that is based in Italy has a far larger turnover staff that end up in Maranello than end up in Milton Keynes. They have different personalities, they have different characters, and they comply continually with the regulations. Indeed, the relationship is far less tight than some of the teams that enjoy very tight relationships with their engine manufacturers. I would take it as a compliment if I was Laura Mikis, uh, who's the, the team principal of VCARB, that uh, this issue is being raised now because with a change of stewardess, stewardship, 
the team has the opportunity to get its act together. They've got two quality drivers. They're introducing quality people into that team. And we expect them to be a competitor, not just the rest of the field, but indeed of Red Bull Racing. We're a team of racers and there are no preset rules. There are no agreements between the teams, end quote. So it's funny, right? I mean, you, you have uh, Zach Brown on one hand uh, being quite um, quite uh, critical about it and uh, Christian Horner basically putting it uh, all to rest. I mean, if you just don't go through and, and either read the entire article uh, that's uh, on motorsports.com, uh, it's uh, called uh, Red Bull Should Be Applauded, Not Criticized Over Two-Team Ownership, and that was written by Jonathan Noble. If you just kind of go through and don't bother to to, to, uh, to listen to it, or sorry, to, to, to read it all, and it, it almost comes off as a little bit dismissive, right? It's just like... Um, Horner starts off saying, oh, I don't understand the fuss about it. There's, uh, there, there's no, uh, you know, there, there's nothing to worry about. You know, in fact, you, you shouldn't be criticizing us. You should be giving us a pat on the back because, you know, Red Bulls really put their money where their mouth is. They put in so much money into both of these teams. They were basically responsible for rebooting Formula One during the pandemic and getting it running again when everything was uh, was shut down, which, you know, fair enough. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's uh, something to, 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 to be said because at a time when nothing was going in the summer of 2020 when you know covid had only been a thing for a couple of months uh, formula one was starting to get rolling again with bubbles for the different teams and we had uh, you know multiple races at the same venues we had a couple of races at silverstone and we had a couple of races in austria but whatever it worked uh, we were up and running but when he go, you get to the end of the interview. That's where the I, I think that uh, Horner does, you know, get very specific in the the differences between the two teams. The fact that you have Red Bull, or pardon me, Red Bull based Milton Keynes in the United Kingdom. You have um, V Car based in Faenza in Italy. And he was saying that if anything, I mean that uh, when, when people tend to depart from V Carb, they don't end up in uh, the UK and uh, at uh, at Milton Keynes. Some of them do obviously by the uh, by, by the quote and what he said there but he's basically saying that uh, they all you know the, the the vast majority who leave end up going to ferrari because he, he says uh, flat out that they more of them go to marinello rather than going to uh, milton Keynes. so marinello is the home of uh, ferrari but again uh, there there is a little bit of a poke there i think uh, a veiled one at uh, zach brown as well because um, you know he, he basically says that uh, there is no really tight or formal or regular or rules between Red Bull and V-Carb and uh, he said compared to some of the really tight relationships some of the other teams have with their their engine manufacturers so I, I couldn't help uh, but think that uh, maybe that was a big of a bit of a dig at uh, Zach Brown and uh, and McLaren I can't be you know 100% for sure but uh <laughs> that that was just uh, my 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 take on it um another uh, comment here is just um you know just to talking now a little bit, uh, you know, Max Verstappen and his future at Red Bull, and uh, this is sort of taken through the 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 perspective or looking through the lens of the Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari move that uh, you know became a big thing, obviously a couple of uh, uh, years ago. So Red Bull, they say that uh, they they don't believe that, uh, and this is a uh, Helmut Marco, uh, you know, specifically again, and this is in the um, the interview he gave to uh, Service TV, Red Bull's uh, own channel um and just uh, about what uh, max's uh, future is and he believes that big money won't tempt uh, max to break his contract and and, and walk away he said uh, quote as in every formula one contract there are clauses uh, if certain success qualify uh, criteria are not met these are also included in max's contract i don't think an incomprehensible amount of money is an issue for max if you're not in a position to provide him with a car that is capable of winning of course he's interested in his success as a racing driver you don't get any younger and if he doesn't see the light with red bull and these criteria come into play then it's quite clear that clear that he'll look around but where where would there be something better end quote so there you go <laughs> uh, and, and and that's the thing i mean sure that's fine uh, i mean uh, max i mean he's 
built generational wealth. I mean, he's earned more money now than he'll probably be able to spend in his entire lifetime. Um, well, I'm sure you can always find a way to spend even, you know, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever it is if uh, you get uh, very reckless or creative. But, you know, the, the, the point I think that uh, that Marco is making is that, uh, that you know, it, it won't be, it's it, it, what comes down to what happens with the car itself, what happens to the team itself will be the driving factor and whether or not, uh, you know, Max uh, decides uh, to leave. But, you know, it's it's interesting i wonder when that interview was uh, conducted because there were some comments from max only just a, a couple of days ago where he was kind of hinting that uh, perhaps he he might uh, start questioning his um you know his future in formula one when we, we we finally see what the the new engine regs will be like for uh, 2026 and beyond i mean we're, we're going to be uh, moving towards more um of an electric power unit at that time i mean there's there's still going to be the internal uh um combustion engine in the in the these power units but that 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 move and that uh, that transition to uh, electric power units is underway and and max has been pretty blunt in saying that uh, that he doesn't really like what he's seen so far and like what's been modeled and he said that uh, that might be one of the factors if he doesn't like it and if the cars aren't fun to drive then that might be something that uh, th- that might make him want to consider what his uh, future is in formula one after after that point I just want to take one real quick uh, final time out here, come back, just a couple of quick uh, stories here to wrap things up, and we'll do so in just a moment. So please do not go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right, welcome back. So, just a couple more stories here. So, uh, David Croft, the uh, Sky Sports uh, commentator for Formula One, is going to miss the first couple of races on the job since he joined uh, the team as a broadcaster way back over a decade ago in 2012. He's going to take a a miss from three Grand Prix uh, this uh, season. And uh, I have to admit, I really like uh, David Croft. I think he does a a very good job of uh, commentating the, 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 the races. He said to the Independent newspaper earlier this week, quote, it's more about keeping fresh for the whole season. I'm not getting any younger. I've given up and sacrificed a lot for my career. I want to give a bit of time back to my family and not to be on the other side of the world. I'm getting married this year as well, so I've got a wedding to organize, but I also want to sit and watch a race at home. I want to enjoy it. Maybe I can learn something by not commenting commentating on a race. I can spot a few things when I'm watching. I want to see what the viewer sees, end quote. So, you know, I, I think that is uh, a fair enough reason to i mean you want to spend more time with your family obviously planning a wedding is a very big thing as well and he makes a good point there that he wants to sit in, at home and enjoy watching a race i mean when, when i spent uh, you know all those years uh, covering soccer and going to, to to matches and sitting in the press box when, when you're doing it for a job and you're looking for certain things i mean you you do watch in and i mean obviously reporting is a uh, different than commentating on uh, on a soccer match or a formula one uh, uh race or whatever it might be but when you're doing it when you're casting kind of an analytical eye on it and you're maybe not so emotionally invested i've kind of found over time that even though i I really enjoy formula one that um, i i don't get as passionate about sports as i once did because they spent all that time and you know there's this sort of this old saying that there's no cheering in the in in the press box and certainly when you're part of like the independent online media at uh, at times i mean if you start cheering for the home team or cheering for any team it is uh, not a very you know professional thing to do and it's a uh, you know frowned upon so you know you you learn to be more impassive you learn to be a little bit more detached and if you're lurking, looking for a certain storyline to report on maybe you're watching for something uh, specifically so and you're also trying to take in the entire thing rather than being hyper focused on what's who's on the ball or who's doing what on the track or whatever it uh, might be so uh, you know having said that uh, we'll uh, miss uh, David Croft uh, behind the mic uh, a couple of times uh, this year so we'll certainly see who they uh, get uh, to replace him now this one I think is a, a little bit uh, kind of ominous because the uh, the article this was written by Christian uh, Nimmerval at uh, motorsport.com this is a, a prime uh, article uh, anyways uh, if you have access to, to the prime it's uh, it's you know worth a read uh, it's called Audi's F1 project under fresh uncertainty as senior figure faces exit uh, 
So um, CEO Marcus Dusman uh, left um, Audi a couple of months ago. Uh, he was one of the biggest advocates for the Formula One project, which is uh, you know supposed to be getting going for 2026. Uh, the the chief development officer uh, Oliver Hoffman is also going to leave. Uh, he well, he had a long term uh, contract as uh, their chief development officer and uh, got recently extended. Got a new uh, deal there just uh, within the last year. Uh, that was uh, according to a report that was in Germany's. Built a newspaper, but it sounds like he could actually be forced out of uh, Audi. So uh, it seems that there's a, a, a bit of a, a difference of opinion between himself and uh, Audi CEO Gernot Dullner over the future of the company and where they're going to go. Hoffman is also being blamed that uh, that Audi has not uh, been doing as well on the uh, you know with, with sales in the uh, in the market, and that uh, the the models of uh, vehicles that have been planned. Uh, uh, under um, under Hoffman's uh, lead, have not uh, been as successful that uh, they expected, or their projects that just uh, keep getting uh, you know postponed. So uh, <laughs> this is where it gets interesting to with with Formula One. So the Audi supervisory board is uh, set to have a discussion on uh, Hoffman's uh, future with the company next week, and then the Volkswagen Group supervisory board could uh, have uh, you know make a decision at the beginning of March, and that. That could impact what happens with Audi's uh, plans in Formula One, and um, you know he wants uh, Dolner, that is, uh, who's the the, the CEO, Gernot uh, Dolner, wants to move Hoffman uh, to the Grand Prix uh, uh, project. So. Um, Hoffman is, you know, very well aware or very up to date with what's uh, going on uh, with uh, Audi's uh, entry for 2026, and uh, they were both at uh, the, the the 2022 Belgian uh, Grand Prix when they announced that they were going to be joining 20 uh, F1 in 2026. So we're now we're sitting in this a uh, little bit uh, kind of a strange uh, in between time. You know that Sauber Alfa Romeo or Alfa Romeo is now just uh, gone back to Sauber and it's a, a bit of a placeholder. They're just kind of doing whatever they're doing until it officially becomes a uh, Audi in uh, in a, in a couple of years. And um, you know Andreas Seidel, who moved over from McLaren to take over at uh, at Audi, is um, you know he's pushing on and, and trying to uh, keep going with the you know the plans to get. To Audi into into Formula One, um, you know they're facing some issues as well. You know, getting people to to come to Switzerland and the amount of investments to get uh, you know the team to the front of the grid. Um, so it, there's there's a lot going on. Um, uh, Gernot uh, Dolner has only made a couple of uh, comments publicly, and uh, he he was interviewed by the Handelsblatt uh, publication in December of last year. Uh, a couple of things uh, he had to say was. Uh, quote, there's a clear decision from the board of management and the supervisory board of Audi and Volkswagen that Audi will enter Formula One in 2026. The plan is in place. And, uh, well, that seems, uh, you know, somewhat uh, reassuring, but, you know, it's 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 concerning though that it sounds like this uh, key proponent um, in, in uh, Oliver Hoffman, you know, could be moving on. I mean, he's been a very key figure in that uh, in that project. And then finally, Mattia Bonato, yes, the Ferrari or uh, former Ferrari uh, team principal, has uh, landed another job, but uh, he's not coming back to Formula One, despite uh, being linked uh, with a, a couple of uh, teams, uh, you know, in in recent uh, times. Uh, he's landed a job with uh, Texa E Powertrain, and uh, he's also joined the board of directors as the uh, car, motorcycle, and trucks diagnostic firm. And uh, they're looking to become a, a big player and manufacturer and the supplier of components for electrical uh, vehicles. And uh, that is where Bonato is going to be in charge. Anyways, Mattia Bonato had the following to say about his uh, new job, quote, Beyond the competitive experience that is, I have always had in my life, what attracted me to Texa was the strategic audacity of its project to build Italian excellence characterized by the most advanced technologies of new mobility. In fact, Texa intends itself to, uh, as a uh, reference technological standard on a global level, and this thanks to the mobilization of huge investment resources and the attraction of the best talents to be concentrated in Italy. That is where there is a formidable motoring culture to be preserved, renewed, and now 
also relaunched. So there you go. Neo Mattia Bonato back in the news, but not back in Formula One. Okay, well, it's uh, coming up on uh, 11 p.m. Pacific time, and it's uh, been a long day, and I'm starting to run out of a little bit of breath here. So I'm going to wrap the show up uh, right here. Uh, planning on coming back here in a couple of days. Uh, if there's uh, some more news uh, to talk about, looking forward to getting the season going. Uh, got a very interesting guest uh, lined up to come on the show uh, next week. Just trying to figure out, uh, you know, is this going to be a segment or a longer, a longer show together? And uh, I want to try and do something again with Andy Amendola from uh, ABC's of uh, Racing Red Racer Books. Uh, got a lot of uh, nice comments and feedback on that one. So I'll definitely reach out to, to Andy again in the future because uh, I, I enjoyed uh, doing that with him as much as uh, all of you enjoyed listening. So thank you uh, very much for for letting me know about that. So before we go here, just uh, want to remind everyone, if uh, you want to help support what I'm doing here, easiest, quickest, and the most cost-effective way is just head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, etc. cetera, uh, leave a five-star rating and review, and uh, that uh, just helps grow the show, and very appreciative of all of uh, you who've done so. Uh, also, give us a follow on X at ScooterF1Pod, and if you want to send an email, by all means, please do so, and you can head on over and uh, send me an email at uh, scooteryf1pod at gmail.com. That is it. That's a wrap. Enjoy the weekend and we'll be back soon. And until then, have a great weekend and we'll talk to you again later. Bye for now.